Gracious God, it is your amazing grace that is really all that we have at the end of the day. Thank you, God, that you love us so much. You love us so much that you don't let us stay where we are. You offer us so much more. That was what Jesus was all about, was offering us an opportunity to have a right relationship with you. And so, God, we thank you for who you are and for for what you've done. God, we just ask that all that we do, this message, the music, our whole morning and our, our very lives would be, would be to your greatest glory. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. So we're going to spend a good part of our summer taking a pin out of the wall and going back to something we began a year and a half ago or so. We're going to pick up our series on the book of Acts. We left off in chapter 14. We said we'll get back to it later. This summer is when we're going to get back to it. And it's just so appropriate that uh, with the music from this morning that we talk about the Holy Spirit. Because really that, that's what the book of Acts is all about. We began this thing and we got journals for everyone. And so uh, if you want one, if you weren't here back then or you didn't buy one back then, uh, there are five bucks. The book of Acts is in the journal and then there's a place uh, to take notes. If you're a note taker along the side, some folks really, really have enjoyed having those. If you've got one and you started to take notes, I would encourage you to go dig it up and find it and uh, read through it. There's 14 chapters that you can catch up on. If you missed the first part of the series, everything is available. Every one of those messages is available online. And if you start today and you go through next Saturday, if you read two chapters of the book of Acts every day, you will be up to speed and ready to roll with chapter 15 next Sunday. So that would be my suggestion for you. But uh, first, a little bit of a recap. When we began this we, we thought, what can we do to have some fun with it? So one of the things we did is we had big examples of kids' play box blocks, the wooden blocks with letters on them, and they spelled Acts, just A-C-T-S, and we had them in different configurations around the stage and all over the place. We'll see if we can maybe find those and bring them out again. But then we did something else. As the series went on, we began to realize that there was so much more of a consistent message than what we had really even thought about at the beginning of God at work in the world. So Bill Gabbard said, I got an idea. And the God is at work sign came up. It took him a lot of effort. And we realized, you know what, that belongs there. It just needs to stay. And you've heard me say this before. There's an awful lot of what we do that's got more than the obvious meaning to it. Well, the pallet wall really is there as a reminder. Pallets are what brings the stuff that you need when you've got a construction job. And we're all under construction. We really are never finished until we get to heaven. But the one who's doing the work on us is God. And so God is at work as we're under construction. And that was really where this whole Acts series began. And this God is at work, it stayed. Stayed through Christmas. Stayed through Resurrection Sunday. Stayed through some very difficult funerals that we went through as a church. It's just been up there for everything we've done. It's been a part of our life as a congregation. I don't imagine us taking it down anytime soon because what a great reminder that God is at work. God is at work in your life and God is at work in our church. And the book of Acts shows us that in, in like a, a divine technicolor way of what it is that God is doing. But the heart of the book of Acts, more than anything else, is a person, but not a person that may be the way that you've come to know people. It's the person of the Holy Spirit. Uh, oftentimes, I hear the Holy Spirit referred to as it. Well, in this age where apparently pronouns mean everything, 
we're going to get this one right. The Holy Spirit is a person. It's one of the three persons of God. The Holy Spirit is not an it. It is God's Holy Spirit. You would never refer to another human being as an it. Don't refer to Holy Spirit as an it. If I ever do, call me out and make sure you bring it to my attention because that is the wrong way to describe one of the three parts of the Trinity that is God. The Holy Spirit is a person. We need to be clear about that. And the Holy Spirit is at the very heart of the book of Acts. Just like the Holy Spirit is at the heart of our world today for us as believers. The Holy Spirit begins to occupy the minds and the hearts and the lives of believers. And this new movement takes off. It begins after Jesus ascends to heaven and there's this thing called the day of Pentecost. And the Holy Spirit shows up and it's like the Holy Spirit suddenly is for everybody everywhere. And Paul, who writes an awful lot of the New Testament, helps us to understand that that's true for believers. The Holy Spirit is there for all of us. But the one thing that isn't in the Bible very often is the word Christian. Christians aren't used to describe this new group of people. In fact, the word Christian is used three times in the whole New Testament. This movement that, that carries on the life and the ministry and teaching of Jesus in the New Testament has a different name. When I was young, I remember these little Bibles. As I recall, they were kind of a cream color and like a dark gray, almost not quite a black. And the Bible was called The Way. And it had kind of interesting little sketch pictures in it. It was meant to be easier to read. The Way is what the early movement, the early group of Christians was called, was the way. It wasn't called the Christian church, and they didn't have all kinds of other ideas or, or mission statements or anything else. They were simply called the way, because it was the way that Jesus taught them to live. And I have to wonder if the way wouldn't be an awful good way for us to go back and to begin to understand our call and our responsibility as believers in Jesus. See, the way described this growing number, and it grew and grew, and as it spread out into the world, it grew faster and faster. The way is what this group of people was called. Not the Christian church, but the way. See, Christian is a title. It refers to a follower of Christ, right? A Christ follower is what a Christian is. But it's a title. The way is a much better way of understanding who we are because the way is a way of living. It's a lifestyle. It's a way of thinking, it's a way of living, of giving, of serving, and of loving. It's a way of being a believer of Jesus out in the world. The way is a great name for who we are supposed to be as believers. So the book of Acts, it's the beginning of what we know as the Christian church, but it really is the telling of the way and how the Holy Spirit filled people, inspired people, and radically changed these new believers as they put their faith in Jesus. And that's one of the things that I think that we've lost in our church, is that notion of radical change. See, they lived in a world that in a lot of ways was very much like ours. But for so many of us, if you grew up in the church, maybe you haven't had that profound moment where you realize you truly are a new creation. You follow Christ, but maybe you haven't fully stepped into the way of living as a follower, a believer in Jesus. We're going to talk about that today and as we go forward. <clears throat> the book of Acts, as it describes the Holy Spirit and the way, has got so much for us to learn, not just about the early Christian church, but about our church and about us. About us as individual followers of Jesus, if we're willing to learn. 
And that ends up becoming a huge word, that if. Acts was written by a guy named Luke. The Bible tells us he was a physician. He has one of the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, but he was not one of the first 12 disciples. He was one of the guys who witnessed what was going on with Jesus and all those things were happening. He was a first-hand eyewitness account, but he wasn't a part of the original 12. And he makes clear that, that the, the book of Acts is what carries on the life and teaching of Jesus. It was so important to Luke, highly educated man, that Jesus wasn't a, a here for a moment, gone forever kind of a guy. He was here for a moment and carries on forever. And it's the Holy Spirit that fuels the ongoing work that Jesus began. And so Luke records in the book of Acts the early expansion of the Christian church through much of the Roman Empire, the, the known world at that time. Uh, it was written right around about 62 A.D., about 30 years after Jesus died. Uh, most of the people in Acts were around when Jesus was living. It is an incredible, incredible firsthand account of the things that happened immediately following Jesus' return to heaven. But what Luke does is he focuses on the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit, on the salvation of human souls and of the growth of the early church. And if we look at those three main components of the book of Acts, isn't that what we should be about? Aren't those the things that we as a Christian church today should be about? The power and the presence of Holy, the Holy Spirit and God at work among us. The salvation of human souls, because our job isn't just to get to heaven on our own. Our job is to meet Jesus in a personal way and then tell everyone who we can about who he is and how he's changed us. And finally, it's about the growth of the early church. Isn't our job as Christians to live as a part of the way in such a way that people want to become a part of what we are? We don't want to grow the church big for our sake. We want to grow the church big for the sake of people who don't know Jesus today, for the sake of people who are learning what it means to be a follower of Jesus. The book is called The Acts of the Apostles, if you've got one of those Bibles that has a little bit of a bigger title to it. What's interesting about The Acts of the Apostles is it's about men who do the work of carrying on uh, the work that Jesus began. But there's only two of the disciples that were in uh, the 12 with Jesus that are even mentioned in the book, James and John. James is mentioned a couple of times, and, and John is only mentioned by name. He doesn't even make an appearance. The book of Acts is really about the Holy Spirit. The book of Acts is about how the Holy Spirit fills and inspires and fuels human beings, normal men, men and women like you and I, to do the incredible work of sharing the good news of the gospel of Jesus with the world around them. And so we can look at it and say, well, these are like the superheroes. We can never be like those guys. You know what? They were ordinary people with a whole lot of problems, just like you and I. What they had was the Holy Spirit at work in them. And God's Holy Spirit promises to be at work in us when we're willing as well. So it's really the book of Acts is about the supernatural acts of the Holy Spirit at work in the world through ordinary people like you and I. We can jump right into the middle of this book and we've got a place in it. Luke makes it so clear that the driving force isn't a great new idea. It isn't a good marketing plan or a, a great way of telling the story. Luke makes it clear that the driving force in the book of Acts in the early church is God's Holy Spirit at work, filling and changing and recreating in people a new creation through him. 
You talk about names, James and John, between the two of them, mentioned five times total. Holy Spirit is mentioned more than 50 times. The central character of the book of Acts is the Holy Spirit. We'll see how the Holy Spirit baptizes and fills and directs believers in their everyday life and how they become bold witnesses for Jesus. And if we pay attention to it, if we're willing to see how we fit in, we belong right there in the middle of the book of Acts. So the way that Luke breaks up Acts is basically in two parts. The first largely focuses on Peter and Peter's ministry to the Jewish people while the second part focuses largely on Paul and the folks around him and his mission to the Gentile world. It's written as a historical bridge to connect the four Gospels to many of the letters that Paul writes that are called epistles that don't make as much sense. It's hard to understand them in context. It's hard to understand them in history without the book of Acts. And so the book of Acts does a great job of bridging the Gospels to the rest of the New Testament. The book of Acts reaches into 58 cities in the world around where Jesus was. The Mediterranean and the Roman Empire, 58 cities are named in the book of Acts. The church grew and it grew rapidly. Luke's clear that it's a continuation of the ministry of Jesus. All that Jesus began to do, Jesus began to do. Jesus wasn't a be here for the moment and gone forever guy. No, Jesus was be here for a while and with us forever. Jesus isn't done. God is still at work. And you and I, the Open Door Christian Church, we continue to build on the foundation that, we, that they began. See, we're a continued part of the ministry that we read about in Acts. We, right now, you and I, your life, our life as a church, my life, we're writing chapters that go along with it in the modern day book of Acts as we faithfully follow God in sharing the good news of the kingdom of God right here as Open Door Christian Church. So many of the people who were here 12 and a half years ago are no longer with us. Some of the, the real saints in heaven who spent so much time praying, so much time believing, so much time helping to discern what it was that God was calling us to do. You never had a chance to meet, but we wouldn't be here without them. We wouldn't be here without their prayers. We wouldn't be here without their commitment, their belief in what God was doing, and without their financial support. Just like in the book of Acts, we wouldn't be here if it hadn't been for those early believers and their trust in the Holy Spirit to lead and guide and direct them to where it is that God was calling them to. So we really are, in in a very real way, a continuation of the book of Acts. Uh, When we first came onto this property, we met with the Methodist church and the camp ministry people. And they said, you know, we, we, we just really, we really hope you do great things with it. We've been 60 years there. We, we really just have such high hopes for the place. And our comment to them was, we're not the new owners of Decision Hills. We're the new caretakers of Decision Hills. God was at work in this place long before we arrived. And so often we think as we have churches, we think that we've got a great new idea and God's just been waiting for us to come along. No, we're not the the creators of anything new. We're the caretakers of what's been handed to us. We're the caretakers of the tradition that we read about in the book of Acts. We are the next generation of believers. But just like so many of the believers in the book of Acts, it wasn't easy. There's an awful lot of it that talks about the struggles that they had. They, They were beaten Some of them were stoned, had rocks thrown at them. Paul was left for dead more than once. They were were jailed. They were not treated well. They were ridiculed and mocked. They were treated so poorly. 
And as followers of Jesus today, if we're going to be vocal about our faith, if we're actually going to live for Him, we're going to face opposition as well. Often the the most painful opposition comes from the very same people that they realized it came from in the book of Acts, the people who you thought were friends, the people who you thought you had community and faith with, people that we thought we shared this bond of faith in Jesus with. We're going to see next week about how some of the closest people to these main characters are the hardest on them. See, all this opposition happened because the disciples began to go out into the world and tell people about Jesus, God's only Son who was there to be their Savior, who died and rose again for them, that Jesus was the one that God had promised to send so that our sins could be forgiven, that we could have salvation and we could live in the promise of an eternity with God in heaven, that we could live lives that were truly transformed. But to a world that doesn't understand that, that's not good news. For some people, those are fighting words. Those are words that separate and draw lines and and they hear rather than love from us, what they hear is opposition from us. And the same was true 2,000 years ago. And yet they were faithful. And God calls us to be the very same thing. What began very quickly was that those people who committed themselves to the cause of Jesus who committed themselves to following and trusting the Holy Spirit in this movement called the Way, began to, close, began to form these very close, very tight-knit communities that the world around them often perceived as threatening because they shared something that the rest of the world didn't understand, didn't even want to hear about it. We talk about having life groups around here. Close-knit community of other believers that you can go through life with. Because we want to exclude the world? Not at all, because we want to reach the world. But that doesn't mean that the world understands it. That doesn't mean the world is open to it or that they like it. And so our responsibility, like the responsibility of the early church, is to be faithful to God and the call that he puts on us. That's why we boil down a Sunday morning to three things. Bible, prayer, and worship. Those three things we can get right. Those three things we can focus on every week. Instead of having some brand new, creative, fancy mission statement or goal, our church is founded on a Bible passage. It's founded on a passage that's in the book of Acts, second chapter. If you've got your Bibles, go to chapter 2, verse 42. This is where we began 12 and a half years ago as a church. This is where we will continue to be because what we see in this passage of Acts is what the Christian church or the way can be. Verse 42, all the believers... so. If you are a follower of Jesus, if you consider this your church home, this is talking to all of us. All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. Worship. Prayer. (laughs) It's so simple. What we do in the church is, is we try to confuse things with new ideas. People have asked all along, how come you can only do three things? You've got to be about more than that. Actually, no. Those three things are the most important three things. A deep sense of awe came over all of them, and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. The awe wasn't in how amazing they were. The awe wasn't how awesome they were building the church. The awe wasn't their great new idea or their great marketing strategy. The awe was being able to have a front row seat to God at work among them. And all the believers met together in one place. They shared everything they had. They sold their property and their possessions. 
They shared the money with those in need. They worshipped together at the temple each day. They met in homes for the Lord's Supper. They shared their meals with great joy and generosity. And all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. It sounds so simple. There's a million things that are good in the world that churches can do. But not every church is called to do all the million things. We've decided to boil it down to three and to keep our focus very narrow. And when they did what God called them to do, all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people, each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. It's not always easy leading and and, uh, working in a church. Ask anybody who's on the team around here. There are days that are pretty rough. But you know, when we look back over 12 and a half years, most of you, We didn't know 12 and a half years ago, which tells me we're doing something right because God continues to add to our numbers. God continues to bring people here who want to hear the good news of Jesus, who want to be people of prayer, who want to be people of worship, who want to be people who put the Word of God first and foremost in their life to be a part of the way. The three simple things that we're about. And it says that the people of the early church, they were of one mind. They had one focus, one purpose. They were committed to the cause. One cause. And that's preaching the good news of Jesus to the world around them. And they gladly gave what they had. They trusted the Holy Spirit. They met together and they worshipped regularly. And because of that commitment, the Lord added daily to the number those who were being saved. To me, that sounds like the most incredibly exciting church that a person could possibly be a part of. The most exciting church in history. We're just doing our best to be like that church rather than try to recreate or reinvent the church. Things have changed, though, for a lot of churches. Things have changed for a lot of people who believe in Jesus, but they don't have to. See, we think that we've got new ideas. We think we've got better ideas. We think with technology and supposed intelligence that we know what God really meant when the Bible says one thing or another. But, you know, God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. That doesn't mean that we're supposed to change what we believe. In the book of Acts, people were fully committed to the cause of Jesus. That should still be what the church is about. In our world, so many people are are committed because our, our culture tells us that we can do this. We're committed to being quickly offended if we don't get exactly what we want. And I want this kind of music and that kind of message and this sort of coffee. And oh, by the way, this is what you need to do for me because it's what I want. That's not what the early church was about. They were about Jesus. They were about loving each other and loving the world around them. They were obedient to the Word of God and they did not reinterpret or ignore or change the parts that were hard or that didn't make them feel good. They dealt with them and they lived and went through life together. They were willing to step out and step out, step up and step out, even when it wasn't convenient, even when the people didn't want to listen to them, even when it cost them personally. And we're here today because of their faithfulness. Just like you and I, we're here today because of the faithfulness and the prayerfulness, and the financial generosity of people that many of you never had the chance to meet. But they knew that if they did their part, that God would bring you here. I'm afraid that for many people in many churches today, Christianity has been a product, become a product of our convenience, not a statement of our obedience. And we look back in the book of Acts, it wasn't about convenience for anybody. Things weren't convenient at all. It was about being obedient to the cause of Jesus. And so we can say that we're a modern day church of Acts and that's what we want to be, but what about you? 
Why are you here? Why, if you're watching online, why are you watching? What is it that you're looking for in a church? What is it you're trying to be a part of? Uh, why are you a part of this community that says we're really trying to do nothing more than to be that church in the book of Acts? We're just doing our best to get the little pieces right. It's a nice convenience to know that our sins are forgiven and we can look forward to heaven. But if that's all we're going to do, we live in this world that rewards dissent and disagreement. And we can't afford to believe that God rewards disobedience or that he no longer calls us to radical generosity or radical faithfulness. Because that's what we read in the book of Acts. So how about you? Are you all in? Are you all in for Jesus and the call that he's put on your life and on this church? Or are you going to come along for the ride and, and see how it goes and let someone else do the work, let someone else make the commitment? See, Acts is such an important book for us to study and to understand because the world we live in is every bit as hostile as the world was two years ago, in, or 2,000 years ago. In fact, they had it a lot tougher because they faced the imminent possibility of their life being ended. The Romans could do that in a heartbeat and without even giving it a second thought. And while we face struggles and we may face some oppression at work or you may have a family that doesn't understand or agree with what you believe, we've got it easier than they did 2,000 years ago. And yet it's a reminder that the God that was at work then is still at work today. He's at work in your life and mine and in our church. And he's inviting us to be a part of this eternal work that we read about in the book of Acts this eternal work that is going on every single day that the Holy Spirit is still a part of God at work in our world. And what's really cool is that God's planted you here. God's brought you to this place to be a part of the work that he is doing here at the open door. See, the believers in Acts, they found something in Jesus they called the way. It radically changed their lives. It transformed who they were and how they saw the world. In Jesus, they found something in someone who they knew was worth living and dying for. And today there are so many Christians in so many Christian churches that struggle to see Jesus as the one who's worth living for. We see him as a convenience. We see him as a 911 prayer in an emergency. But what about you? Is Jesus your convenience or your commitment? Do you see the book of Acts and say, I want to be a part of a church like that. I want to be a part of a church that changes the world because it sees that people are what matter to God the most. So really, maybe the best question to answer that, that question is this. Who or what are you living for? What gets you up in the morning? What inspires you? What encourages you? What gets you going when you want to quit? What's the one thing that no matter what the circumstance or the situation might be, what's the one thing that keeps you going? Are you living for your job, for a relationship, for a friendship? Are you living to make money to pay your bills? Are you living for Jesus? Because the people who began the way were all in living for Jesus. And all God asks the Christian church to do today, all that God asks of you and I, is to be all in for the cause of Jesus. To be a modern day part of the way. The way that lives the way that Jesus taught us to live. So what about you? What are you living for? Let's pray. God, thank you for the book of Acts. Thank you for the excitement. Thank you for the... Uh, the adventure, because it is just, a, it's a book of adventure. It's incredible to read what's there. But God, there's a challenge there. There's a big challenge. 
we can read it as a part of history and say, yeah, but that's not for us. That's not who we are. Uh, that was what you did back then. That's not what you're doing now. But God, you don't say that. Your Holy Spirit continue, continues to come and to live and to radically transform human lives today. God, Jesus' death on the cross is still as relevant today as the moment that it happened. You are at work in our world every bit as much today as you were 2,000 years ago. And so what it leaves us with is we each have the question to answer, who are we living for? We understand who you are, God. We understand what you're doing and even what you want from us. We understand that you gave us Jesus and you gave us your Holy Spirit. But we have to make the decision, are we going to live for you? Are we going to be a part of the way, the way that lives the way that Jesus showed us how to live? Or are we just simply going to accept the title of Christian and, and live a life of convenience? God, that's so much the example that we have around us, but that's not who we want to be. So in the power of your Holy Spirit, God, radically transform us. Change us from the inside out. Get through our heads and get to our hearts. God, that we would live for you, not for ourselves, but that we would live for you, that we would live for Jesus. It's in his name that we pray. Amen. So I was just told that I goofed up the three things in the middle of the message. I'm sorry, I do know that it's Bible, prayer, and worship. Apparently I left out the Bible. So I, I do know that's what we're about here. I'm sorry about that. I had this other idea and I was going to put it in context and I lost the one completely. Hey, um, you know, we're going to talk next week about Acts 15. I told you read 1 through 14. We'll talk 15. What we jump into almost right away is the first political problem that the early church had. And it's, and it's the Jewish church having a hard time with this upstart, the way, and the apostles, and, and what's happening in the world. And they didn't know what to do with the new people. They didn't know what to do with the non-Jewish people that were deciding to believe in Jesus. And it's still a struggle that churches have today. But you know what? It's the heart of what we're called to be. And so it's going to be a great place to start out next week. Acts 15. I encourage you to read chapters 1 through 14 and think about what is it you're living for. If you're not living for Jesus, is it really that important? Because there's nothing more important in the world that you can do than to live for Jesus.